Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave, one of the pastors here at Compass Point. Uh, welcome to 2024 as well. We are excited to be here. And with me today is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, man. How are you doing, Paul? I'm happy to be back. It's great. We've been, we haven't been doing the podcast for a little while through the holidays and uh, we are back and I'm hoping that uh, that this will be a blessing for you as we kind of work through things and help, uh, you know, unpack what we've talked about on Sundays, uh, yeah. you know, take it a little further. I have missed this. Um, and I have heard from a number of people in the past couple of weeks yeah. um, that they listen and that they enjoy, which is, which is great. I mean, we see the numbers, but don't often hear about it. Um, I just want to say up front this time, if there are things that you find really helpful, um, or if there are questions you want answered ever, um, be in touch with myself or whoever's preaching, and we would love to be able to dig into these during our postscript conversation. Absolutely. Um, so, Paul, we started a new series this week, um, and uh, why don't you just unpack a little bit for us about this series? I know we kind of did an intro yep. this week, so yeah, tell us more. Yeah, so we're really uh, want to spend some time talking about transformation, and mm-hmm. um, and I think the reason we want to talk about this is for a lot of reasons, but but primarily because I think we all recognize that transformation is hard, um, and and specifically, like why is it so hard for me? You know, I think those questions come up, and um, and sometimes we sort of skirt around them, and we talk about the big picture ideas, but we want to get down a little bit into the weeds and talk about what change looks like and how it can be helpful. And, you know, is it even possible, for example? And then um, and then we're going to take some, uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take some weeks to talk about uh, transformation and, and what are some very practical things that we can do uh, to be in a place where we can be prepared for transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there were so many good things on Sunday. You had so many good kind of one-liners and things that stopped me and made me like think, what are you, what are you, what are you going on there? Um, what does that mean for me? And, and you, you started, you talked a little bit about boundaries um, and kind yeah. of how in, in churches, especially sometimes our, our cultural boundaries or the things that, that are in place, whether they're articulated well or not, can be really confusing. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me a little more about boundaries. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. And I think, I think I want to say too, like, I, I, I think a little bit about what I say, obviously, um, but the idea of, of using the word boundaries and not you know, things at the fringe or things on the edge mm. was quite intentional to me. And the reason for that is because our, our identities are, um, often include what people see and uh, mm. the way we present ourselves. And clearly the Bible uh, describes us as, you know, putting on righteousness, like clothes every day where we have to sort of intentionally put some of these things on. And so, you know, some of the characteristics that might be true of us, um, are identifiable and they're not unimportant. It's not mm-hmm. as if those things don't matter at all. Um, we should be uh, set apart and different, um, but it just means that you know that that the things that are at the boundaries, uh, those boundary markers, are not as significant as as change at the center. Hmm. It's funny. I I I, um, I think it was John Orberg kind of talked about this, and he he was talking about the fact that for many of us as Christians, the reason that we're so um, excited and we get all worked up about the boundary markers and the things that we want to identify ourselves with is because we're trying really, really hard to be holy. And that means being set apart and being righteous, yep. but that's really hard work. And so if we can't be holy, uh, John Arbrick said, well, at least maybe we should be weird. Hmm. And that way, if we're weird enough, then we're set apart enough. And then that makes us, you know, better followers of Jesus. And, and I would just say, you know, okay, as you know, 
so many of us can point to these, you know, things that we didn't do, you know, I didn't play with cards or I didn't do this or I did do this or whatever. Um, you know, all of those things we can sort of make light of, but I think it's, it really reveals a really serious issue. And that is, and I said on Sunday, there's a lot of outside of the bowl washing going on mm. in our, and especially as Christians. And what I mean by that is that, you know, like the Pharisees, we're clean and polishing the outside of the bowl. And yet we're not really concerned about the center. Yeah. And uh, Jesus was always concerned about the center. And so if we're going to talk about transformation, it can't be at the boundaries. It has to be at the center. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's interesting um, so many of these issues at the boundaries and, and we've talked about what you wear, uh, what kind of media you consume or who you hang out with or, or the way we use our, our bodies and dancing or what, what have you. Um, it's again, it's not that they're unimportant. Like you read the, the epistles, you read the new Testament, a lot of stuff in there is actually dealing with how communities are dealing with some of these issues. Um, and a lot of it is a call back to the center, but it's not to say that they're unimportant. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I think what often happens is we, we find things that are actually meaningful and help us get to the center. And if we lose focus on the center, we start to focus on those things that help us to get to the center. Right. And then as we pass them down from one generation to the next, yeah. they become more muddled. Yeah. They become more off center. Right. Right. Um, because, and because part of it is because what used to set you apart may not be the same thing that's going to set you apart today. Right. And in different contexts, different things matter. And all of that stuff is true. And I think you're right. There is there is a sense in which, like, sometimes, you know, we've, we've often heard the phrase, you know, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea that if I can change enough of the outside things, then they will ultimately make a change on the inside. Yeah. And, and I think what we're finding, and this is not just, you know, a theological thing. I think we see this in, in modern psychology and social, social uh, studies. Um, you know, as I was saying about James Clear talked about this in his book, Atomic Habits, which is yep. a book that was like flying off the shelf because everyone wants to know, like, how do I make changes that are going to stick? And one of the things that he talked about was identity-based change. And that is essentially center change. That is like, mm. who am I becoming is more important than what am I achieving? And so... Um, we, I think that, and, and maybe it's possible that some of the change on the, on the outside or changes on the boundaries, uh, might slowly work towards changing the center over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not an effective way to move towards change because ultimately you can, you know, you can say you're faking it till you're making it, but really you're just faking it. And that's a problem. Right. And this is all related to the the other thing you were saying, which is the difference between training and trying. Right. Um, right. Like sheer willpower isn't isn't enough for meaningful and lasting change. Right. As, yeah. as many people who make New Year's resolutions find out. Right. Just because I want to get healthier and I've signed up for a gym membership actually doesn't doesn't mean I'm going to get there. Right? right. Like there's a there's an amount of discipline that's required in training. Yeah. But then you said something which really I found very arresting is that training doesn't count. Yes. It, it's not like me having a, a, a long a ability to spend a long time meditating on scripture, a long time in prayer actually doesn't count. Yes. And that like, that seems weird, yeah. right? Like, especially, especially as, as we as a church are, are leaning into these things and want to be practicing spiritual habits. So what does count is the question. Yeah. Yeah, and the illustration I think to to further nail that point, I, I want to answer your question. I mean, I mean, not that I have all the answers, but um, is is I think the illustration from like a I think I used from like a basketball game, but any sporting thing. Like if you are 
practicing um, skills, they don't actually, their training for those kind of things, it doesn't actually count in the game. Right. But if you don't do those things, then it shows up in the game, yeah. right? And so I think that's a that was really helpful to me too. So I, I as you're saying, you know, it just kind of grabbed your attention. It did for me. It was a helpful way of thinking about it because I think sometimes I've always had a hard time sort of connecting the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing that training is absolutely essential, even though none of it is going to you know count on game day. And so for us in our lives, um, yeah. So so uh, what is so, game day? So what is game day? That's a good question. So in my like. Game day is the is the life that I'm living, and and that is the the relationships that I have with other people, the experiences that I find myself in um, over time, and uh, so that includes you know so it's you know often we think about um, we ask the question you know who am I um, like you know we think about our identity uh, you know we ask, like a question I might ask is who knows you best. Is it, is it you or the people that you interact with on a regular basis? Because with people, when they interact with you on a regular basis, they see the you that you present to the world and you can say, well, that's not me. It's not me. It's, you know, you don't understand or, you know, you don't know what I'm feeling, but it is who you are presenting. And Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting question. I don't know if I'm getting too deep here, but it's an interesting question to really think about like who knows me best, right? Because sometimes I get caught up with my own negative thoughts, my own self-talk and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And yet the person that people interact with, the me that everybody sees is really who I am, right? Right. Right. So game day is all of my life and interactions and relationships and roles and everything that that happen on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Training happens not just on my own. Sometimes it's it's in the context of those communities and relationships, but the training is always something that that I am interacting with personally. So I am working on something, um, you know, using this 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 as an opportunity to train for patients or whatever, and that patience helps me down the road in my relationships and mm-hmm. in the places where I find myself. So I mean, in my mind, I'm I'm wondering is is what counts the fruit of the spirit. In our like day to day walk, I mean, you know, there's other other things you can kind of put in there, but like, am I growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control, almost all of which are relational things, right? They're all things that that again we experience yeah. not like we we train them often yeah. through meditation, often through you know spending time in prayer and the Word of God, like these more solitary things, but actually our lived life is practiced in community. Yeah. It's practiced in relationship in some ways. Yeah. Um, and how we respond to each other and each other's brokenness and, and flaws and, and frustrations, right? Like that, yeah. that's kind of, is that the game? Is that yeah. really what counts? Yeah. No, I think, I think for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I think maybe to kind of push the illustration, like, I think that if you were to consider it as a basketball game, like the game is ongoing and mm-hmm. the training happens while the game is being played but they are still two distinct things, right? Right. You can, you can yeah. train um, and, and yeah, but well, still be in the game. Okay, let me see if I can take this sports analogy further as a non-sports this awesome. guy. This is going to be great, Paul. Like sometimes when the game's going, you're on the bench, right? Yeah. Like you're not always out on the court. Um, and those are often moments even to, 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 yeah, kind of review these things, but the game is still going, right? Yeah, like we, exactly. I know when I wake up in the morning, I very quickly am going to have to interact with my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. But 
what do I do in those moments before I do that? Yeah. And what do I do in those moments in between? Yeah. And how do I prepare myself as I'm driving into work or, or what have yeah. you? What does it look like to kind of prepare for that? Yeah. And again, this ties into another, another thing you said, which was great, great shock value there. God doesn't care about our spiritual lives. Yeah. God cares yeah. about our whole lives. Yeah. I think God doesn't care about only our spiritual lives, but, yeah. but kind of this, you're, you're getting at something here, which is a, a big thing in my, my kind of, yeah, my view that we were too quick to compartmentalize ourselves and our being into kind of spiritual and physical. And, and that's actually very early heresy in some ways, right? Like there, there isn't as much of a division as we'd like to think. Yeah. Um, not that our physical being is, is absolutely everything. Of course we have souls and we don't quite know how all that works. And, you know, we, we can be apart from our body when we die and with the Lord mm-hmm. and all that. But, um, here and now, while we still have breath, mm-hmm. our lives are one. They're connected mm-hmm. deeply, mm-hmm. and that's what God cares about. Mm-hmm. And maybe to flip it on its uh, on the on the flip side, which I think would be helpful for us, is that you know often we think to ourselves, you know, okay, I get this, but what I really need is I need more self control um, when it comes to eating, mm-hmm. or I need to be um, a better dad, or I need to you know whatever. And I think yeah. sometimes when we talk about transformation in the church. People are thinking, oh, well, you know, what 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 Paul's suggesting is that I need to be like, you know, praying more. I need to be, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. those things are fine, but I have real world issues that I'm dealing with. Right. And and the way that I would respond, and I think the way that Jesus would respond is that is that it all comes under a relationship with Jesus. Right. The closer that we align our lives to the way of Jesus, we will find more self-control when it comes to things like eating. We will find ourselves being stronger as parents and, right. you know, less angry and all of those things. So I keep coming back to the passage in first Kings 19 with Elijah. Yeah. Right. So Elijah does all these great, like miracles and signs and wonders from God. And then he like runs off into the woods and he's like, God, I am depressed. Just take me. Everything is terrible. And like, yeah. here's a guy who's been communing with the Lord and who has seen it and has stories. And then God, you know, whips by in all of these things, doesn't hear the voice of God. And then there's a, the, the still small voice and, and the still small voice doesn't basically yeah. says like, that's here's some food, take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. So is that the same two, I'm, the, the, I'm mixing two stories, aren't I? No, no, no. They're both the same yeah. sort of the same narrative, but two different times in that same right. narrative. Yes. Yeah. The, the voice, like the angel comes and gives him yes. the food and tells him to take a nap that's as he's on his way to that yes. mountain hole. Yeah, where yeah. He, yeah. 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 So like the, and yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes the best thing for our spiritual life is yeah. to eat some food and take a nap, right? right? Like, Which is very this, physical. Yeah, very yeah. connected. And then sometimes like once we've eaten some food and taken a nap, like we are prepared to hear the still small voice of God. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I do think that's a, that is key that we start to figure out when we, when we realize that our, that our lives are not like everything we do and then our, our life with Christ on the, on the side, mm-hmm. like the first step in kind of in moving towards transformation is actually recognizing those two things are together. Mm-hmm. Like those two things, they don't exist on their own. Right. And that's a bit of a, that's that, that becomes, you know, kind of the, yeah. Yeah. And yet, yet like, and, and I get why this is, this is confusing and something I think we need to all wrestle through. Cause on, on the other hand, like we have been declared righteous, mm-hmm. like God has, has paid the price of our sins has like, that is done. And that doesn't always feel, <laughs> feel, um, easy, right? It doesn't always feel true in my lived experience, even right. in my 
spiritual life. So there uh, is this kind of dualism of like, this is true. And yet I am here and I'm uh, like working at that. And Paul says, I, sometimes I do the things I don't want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of that. Yeah. It's no, it's good. And I, but I think that, you know, I think that there's, a, you're pointing to a, a number of different things, right? I think that, that we are made new once in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this new reality and yet the, the stuff in our lives, it, it's, it is, um, often kind of covering up and obscuring that new life and yep. what that new life is, is, is. And so for us, it is, you know, the spiritual life and, and our, our, um, our life of faith is not a life of like searching after something as if it's like this hidden thing in a, in a, you know, strange temple in the middle of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's an uncovering, right. right? It's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not a finding something that's out there. It's discovering something that God has made true in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many people will, will struggle, but they have, they, but once you have, you know, um, once you are in Christ, that this is true of you, hmm. but the, this this part of what we call sanctification of working out our faith of growing is really the process of closing the gap between how far we are away from Christ likeness and Christ likeness, hmm. and so as we close the gap and do all and and work through these things with transformation, it gives us the possibility of new life um, and experiencing that new life in a way right now. Um, you know, even though that it, it is secure in the end. Yeah. So there's kind of those both, the both and that happens. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep digging into this series and figuring out how do we, how do we get to that center? How do we um, move in from the boundaries? And again, not ignoring those, not that they're unimportant, but how do we get to the center? How do we see transformation in our whole lives and, and place ourselves under God's transforming power? Yeah. Right. Which is really, it's, it's not our power, but we kind of, move to the right spot. Um, yeah. any, anything you want to tell us about what's still coming in this series? Any hint you want to give us of what's next? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, different, uh, places that, you know, that you've traditionally gone to in terms of transformation, like looking at, um, things like the relationships that we're, that we find ourselves in, um, teaching that we put ourselves under, um, and, and, and we're going to talk about those, but we're going to go a little bit deeper and say, okay, what does that actually look like? And how do we keep that from being just on the outside? And how can we keep this from just being a thing about willpower and kind of moving into, you know, more? Um, so that's kind of where we're heading, but I, I would just kind of, you know, remind us as we, as we close to this, that, that like, um, you know, the, this is an invitation and it's, mm-hmm. it's to begin where you are. This is not meant to make people feel really bad about, you know, all the mistakes they keep making or the ways they keep messing up and they just can't seem to get things together. Um, those are all really bad reasons to stop pursuing transformation. Um, you know, we should expect the challenge. We should expect the difficulty, but we should also expect that transformation is possible. Yeah. And that I think might be the first step for some of us is that, you know, wherever you are, just spending some time recognizing that yes transformation is possible and it's not going to happen overnight it's something that happens over a long period of time um, but that journey is absolutely so worth it and i'm looking forward to exploring this with you and and looking forward to um, you know just seeing more and more transformation in our church yeah wonderful thank you paul as always uh and thank you for listening along to postscript we will be back next week with more